Hello, and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners, artists, and entrepreneurs, and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on most streaming services such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and others. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with singer and band leader Gina Alibrio. Gina currently resides in Portland, Maine, where in addition to being a session vocalist, she is the front woman for the locally popular band, the Red Eye Flight Crew. The band features members of nationally acclaimed acts such as Sister Sparrow and the Dirty Birds, as well as Jaw Gems. She recently released her first full-length solo album entitled Atlas. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Weather is getting warmer and it's project planning season, which means you should call Maine Commercial Contracting, your locally owned choice for residential and commercial services in southern Maine. They'll be there for that new driveway, walkway, or excavation for your home and for your business with parking lot paving, road milling, heavy hauling, and competitive commercial pricing. So when you need your project done right and on your timeline, get a hold of the company with the appetite for excellence and the skills to see it through. Call Maine Commercial Contracting at 207-391-0540 for a free estimate or find them online at maincommercialcontracting.com. Welcome to the show, Gina. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. (laughs) This is so great. We've been so excited to have you on the show. And before we get into talking about your new album, can you share with us how you found your way to Maine? Um, Okay. So actually, I'd like to consider myself an honorary Mainer because my parents... (laughs) used to take used to take us to Acadia every year camping since I was like a child like a baby. Mm-hmm. So, um Maine always had like a a special spot in in my heart for sure, but um it was like 2015 and I was like feeling very stagnant in Boston mm-hmm. at the time. Just things really weren't working for me in like many capacities, so uh I got offered a general business wedding gig through uh, the mid the mid coast school of music as a sub, mm-hmm. and um, I came to Portland to rehearse, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I love it here!" And uh, later, after we worked really well together on that gig, the uh, mid coast school of music offered me a job as an instructor, and I kind of was like, "Cool!" And I moved in like a month or like two <laughs> months or something crazy. Nice. Um, so that's what brought me here, and I'm really like seven years later. I'm like, wow very happy I did for sure. Nice. And all because of a wedding band sub gig. Yeah. I don't know if I want to really go on record saying that's the reason. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was sort of like just the, I don't want to say, and I'm trying to avoid saying reason, but it was kind of the, uh, catalyst. Yes. Catalyst. (laughs) See, thank you. My, my vocabulary is failing me. Yeah. The inciting incident for sure. There we go. Yeah. I got you, Todd. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. I was dying a death there. Uh, so first uh, first and foremost, congratulations on your new album. And thank you. Can you kind of talk us through what the writing process and the recording process was for, for the album? So different. Um, than anything I've ever done. That's for sure. Cause, um, well, first of all, I hadn't released anything in a really long time. So if I'm being completely honest, uh, some of those songs, the, uh, conceptualization of a lot of those songs, uh, span like over a decade 
there's some songs I wrote like over a decade ago on that record. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, which people are kind of like, really? Cause I, and I, I always like want to try to see what people think they are, which is mm-hmm. like, look, which ones do you think it is? But <laughs> I know that like in, in 2019, like around February, um, in January, I moved back to Boston for like a quick sabbatical. I had gone through kind of a major breakup and, uh, two of my best friends at the time were living in this warehouse space in Hyde park. And, uh, it was like a, like kind of a creative outlet called, uh, and gallery called castle drone. And they were like, mm-hmm. why don't you be our artist in residency? We never mm-hmm. had a musician. So like, come, you know, be here until the summertime when, you know, your, your job gets a, a bit more busy in Portland. And I was like, that's a great idea. I'll work on uh, an EP, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, my producer and best friend, Joseph Pirog, who, um, I've like never really done any kind of recording without, honestly, he's kind of my rock. He came to the warehouse. We laid down some stuff. I wrote a couple of new songs and then, uh, you know, March rolled around and we all know what happened (laughs) in March. Mm -hmm. So we had momentum and then suddenly everything stopped, but I didn't stop writing and conceptualizing what this EP would be that Mm -hmm. swiftly started turning into like, you know, a full length. At one point, Joey like looked at me like later down the line when you could like meet up with people again. And we were like, you know, testing so that we could be in the same room to work on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was kind of like, are we doing a full length? And I'm like, eh, well, we got the time. Neither of us are gigging. So, um, so that's how that kind of started. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to include as like many people as I could on the record. I, I think there's a total of 15 different musicians on that wow. record wow. which is like not usually how i operate usually it's like we book seven or eight days in a studio and we go there and like get after it for, you know like all at once with the same people everybody contributed their parts remotely and mm. um it was kind of magical especially at that time it was like i felt like i was able to like bring people together remotely in a way that mm. um what well, which wasn't possible to do you know in real life as we mm-hmm. as we call it at the at that time but mm-hmm. it also gave me way too much time to like mull over the tiny little details i i'd be very happy to not listen to this record again for a while <laughs> 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 so, i yeah. could see where that would happen well i had so much time it's like i had so much time to like edit and you know toss mm-hmm. around different ideas and joey is just a saint he was so patient with me so we'll make sure that he gets accolades on, on in this interview. Yeah. So I have to ask, I, I imagine, you know, writing a song is like giving birth, right? It's just got to be this, this birthing process. And, you know, you're not supposed to have favorite kids, right? But <laughs> out of, you know, all the songs on the album, is there one that just is your favorite child? You know, is it, is there one that just really resonates with you and you know is is it the lyrics you know is there is there one is there that one i i would say that the last track warehouses i think is for me a a songwriting win definitely Mm -hmm. i remember really trying to convey this like feeling of loss in that song it's 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 kind of a eulogy for like actual people that i've lost and like Mm -hmm. kind of this youthful carefree feeling about being a creative and like what that means and, mm-hmm. you know, death of relationships, all that kind of thing. And I remember like I had, I had laid down like the uh, original, like 
backing track. I knew what it, what I wanted it to sound like mm-hmm. on the piano. And um, I was like fiddling around with different like lyrical combinations. And I was like on my way to like a crappy waitressing job that I had at the time. <laughs> and I was like on my way to work. And like suddenly like it just like suddenly the lyrics just like Mm. like meshed together in such a way that I pulled over my car and I totally cried. I was like, I was like, I did it. Wow. <laughs> so like that song in particular. Um, yeah. I was like, Oh, this is, this is it. Like I did it. Like it was, yeah. it was, that was the feeling when I like put the finishing touches on it. And I love that track because we've recorded a lot of it live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably my favorite kid. I'd say. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have kind of a, a set process for writing or is it a little bit different each time um sometimes melody comes first sometimes i'm just like fiddling around on the keys and i like a chord combination and that's first but i'm always constantly writing that's Mm -hmm. for sure i have books and books just filled with i'm so glad no one can see them let's just put that it's just (laughs) it's just absolute psycho babble all the time and then some you know like and then you have like the book where you pull out all the good stuff and you start putting it into some kind of order Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. sometimes the words are first sometimes the melody sometimes the music it's i really don't have a a regimen you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah I'm always interested in that because I think there's some people who are very, very structured. And then there's others that what can seem kind of chaotic is actually such an asset. Um, because when we did our interview with Dave Gutter, oh, God. He, ta- he talked about how he doesn't, he has kind of this process, but he has a series of things that he does. So if something isn't working, he just moves on to the next thing. Well, cause he's basically a genius. So, <laughs> so well, like, I mean, that helps. Like, yeah. <laughs> like talk about a songwriter. That's like, I, I would love to know what his process is. Like, let me yeah. know on that secret. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. I mean, I've seen a couple of things, but it's so it's interesting to me that he's like, well, I don't have one process. I have a, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And just that shifting of process. I'm like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Now, of course it, it also makes sense like you say, for someone who's, who almost seems like they would have to turn that off in order to get any sleep because otherwise the songs <laughs> would just keep on batting at the back of their eye, eyeballs. But it's, it's always interesting to me to, to find out how people do those things yeah. and how they approach it. Yeah. It's always been really organic for me. Mm. I, mm. I never really, it's funny. I went to school for musical theater, right? Mm. Um, I did not go to school for music. I knew how to read music and I knew how to like play rudimentary piano but like voice is my number one instrument so like Mm -hmm. it's worked in my favor in a way where I'm just like mashing my hands on the keys to what I think sounds good and people are like where did you come up with that chord I'm like I don't even know what it is so good luck (laughs) (laughs) that's good because in some cases you it's like well that's totally wrong like yeah, but it sounds good. I'm like, all right. Just something no, no one ever would have thought about, you know? You know, and like people are like, I really like how you like flatted the seventh there and like picked up the diminutive. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's, just, it's just a G with a demolished eighth over. <laughs> demolished. <laughs> like, yes. you really don't know what you're doing. No, I yeah. don't. Okay, uh, but truly, it sounds great. I don't. <laughs> so I have to ask, when did you first take an interest in music? And and how is it that you've really kept nurturing that? I mean, my parents, um, my my family is not like a truly musical family. Like nobody mm-hmm. was, you know, like a musician. I mean, my mom 
played here and there. And my grandfather was a professional guitarist for a while, but like it, you know, then he sold insurance and we never really talked about it. You know what I mean? So, um, (laughs) I just, I just was addicted to it. My, My parents say that I like would just like for hours, you know, you know, those big, like giant headphones in the eighties, I would just like have those on my head listening to like everything, just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more like consuming it than like outputting it for a while. I just, mm-hmm. I just couldn't get enough of melody and harmony and voices mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that. And then, you know, it became very clear that I was a total ham. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to be in front of crowds and in front of people, mm-hmm. you know, how old were you when you started singing? Oh, I, I went to like a musical kindergarten where they kind of teach you like solfege and all that. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was really lucky. It was it was run by nuns, too. It was super crazy. I don't even know if it still exists, but definitely right from like, you know, first grade, if there was like a chorus piece or or like a, a play, a school play, I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be on stage in front of people. So I think it would when I was little to super little, always, yeah. always singing, always bopping around, but never like you know, there was never like a harnessing of it until I was, you know, in junior high, really Mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. So a a musical kindergarten run by nuns like this. So this sounds like, you know, like (laughs) the new sister act movie. It's like sister act, the next generation. (laughs) They were not as cool as Whoopi. They were, they were very, (laughs) they they really liked us to be quiet when we weren't doing what they were telling us to do. Oh yeah. So one question I, I would have, so all in all that listening, do you have like one song or one oh, album or whatever that, that was kind of like the first thing that just sort of blew your mind where you, you heard something and you're like, you, you're just stunned. Um, as a kid. Oh yeah. I, that I know of uh, Michael Jackson's thriller. A hundred. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. Every track on that. Just, I was glued. Mm. <laughs> And like constantly dancing to it, constantly playing it over and over again. My parents had to like take it away from me at one point. <laughs> definitely thriller. A hundred. Yeah. I've heard I've heard stories of like families where they had they had like one copy of that and that it would had to be like negotiated between children because <laughs> yes. they would all try and take possession of it. So it was fighting over the cassette or the or the LP or whatever it yeah. was. And just does no, it's my turn. Like, <laughs> That's just real. That. Yeah, yeah. My, my parents' tapes would always go missing. They'd be like, "Give it back," you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> big time. Yeah. And I, I always find that interesting to see if people have that memory because I, I totally do. And it was, and it was from my dad's record collection. And it, for me, it was, it was uh, Stevie Wonder's "Uptight." Oh wow, that's a that's a great one. Yeah. Just hearing that for the first time, I, I'm just sitting there as a as a little kid going, "What the right? heck is this?" Especially <laughs> those horns just blasting at your face, like I can. Oh yeah, I, can, I yeah, mean, totally. I was already done when the when the beat when it was just beat and like you know, and I think it's it's just it's drums and I think it's just the guitar. No, there's there's some bass, bass in there. I think yeah. Mm-hmm. That and intro. then all of a sudden the horns kick in, and I, at that point I was just done. I'm like, just I, melted. I, 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 I just. I'm surprised they didn't find me just rocking back and forth in the corner going, I don't know what that is, but I need more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the track for me on Thriller was always because it was so trancey. Like I just felt like I was put into like a dream state. It was human nature. I, that yes. was, I just remember being like, this is magic. This sounds like magic, like for sure. That song really doesn't, it doesn't really go anywhere in terms of it it could be very trancy but it's it is hypnotizing because it's it is it's a hypnotizing track especially for like a four-year-old 
you know, <laughs> five-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I can see where that would just, you'd be done after that. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there listening to Who needs MJ. Teletubbies? Here's human nature. Enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, here's, here's Thriller. I'll keep her busy for a couple hours. <laughs> so as someone who's been on stage, uh, I have some serious envy for the confidence that you have in front of a crowd. Like, Aww. seriously, it is, it is, it's amazing just to watch mm. your ease mm-hmm on stage is that something you've you've developed over time or has that always just been a comfortable place for you I I think it's ebbed and flowed with the amount that I've learned Mm. you know what I mean I think the more Mm. confident you get in your craft Mm. the easier it is to kind of just rely on it so you're not you're not even thinking about that I'm Mm -hmm. you know I'm thinking more about like how can I get every single person in this room to like get in this you know, mm-hmm. together. Uh, like I said, theater school. I remember a professor telling me once <laughs> that if somebody in that room doesn't hate what you're doing, you're probably boring. So huh. I was like, oh, there's like walk off the ledge, make choices, give it 150. Someone's going to hate it. And that's a good thing. So mm. that was really stuck with me for years. Wow. And I mean, he was talking about Shakespeare probably, but I mean, it, it translates <laughs> to, uh, yeah. it translates to especially fronting a large group. For sure. It, it is direction. You have to give direction and you have to listen. It's, mm. it's like acting in that way where it's a give and take thing. It's not just mm-hmm. performative, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely. That's so cool. Yeah, the more I learn, the better I feel. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, uh, you know, kind of on that note, what advice um, would you give aspiring singers or musicians that that you wish you would have been given earlier on, kind of in your career? Um, you're never going to stop taking lessons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're never done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A logistical thing, learn how to drive late at night when you're tired. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> big time um but like also uh, technique wise is i would say always trust your gut and I-, I think it's just like stop being performative and and start trusting your instincts when it comes mm. to like and your emotions when it comes to actually singing i think there's mm. a lot of mind over matter mm. when you're a vocalist because people if they're like i can't hit that they're not going to hit it you know, mm. and if you're thinking less about the what if I don't or what if this goes wrong and you're kind of just focusing on melody and feeling, you're going to mm-hmm. be able to sing whatever you want. <laughs> Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. at least at least I-, I believe that. I mean, and then practice your ass off. Also, oh, you're going to probably have yes. to leave that out. <laughs> nah, that's, all right, that. that's all right. You can say that on TV. We'll allow it. <laughs> so. You have a gig every Monday night during the summer and, and actually most of the year uh, at Portland yeah. House of Music. So what are some of the challenges of having that show every single Monday? And, and how do you prepare for that in terms of, you know, even just keeping your, your voice strong, mm. prepping the band, choosing songs, you know, giving it something fresh each week to keep yourself, the musicians interested, and also something new for people coming in? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I couldn't ask for a better group of people because they always do their homework, you know? Oh, that's so important. (laughs) Yeah. I never, I never feel like the bottom's going to fall out from underneath me, even if we're trying something new. They're just Mm. absolute professionals. I mean, we're all in our, what, late thirties at this point. And it's kind of like when you've been doing, when you've been, you know, like hustling for so long and this is kind of the party, 
night mm-hmm. that we get to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. There's there's zero room for stress. We don't care. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's just about like a giant conversation for three hours. <laughs> nice. At least that's yeah. the goal anyway, you know. A challenge is keeping it interesting every week because a lot of we got a lot of like regulars that come every week and I'm like, oh God, I have to like do different stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, set list wise. Uh vocally I try to be as like low key as possible for most of the day on Monday. Usually yeah. mm-hmm. usually it's beach or not talking <laughs> to mm. anyone, <laughs> turning the phone off, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think the the major challenge is finding new and exciting material that people can like. Actually, like just yesterday, I'll be. We just did Danger Zone. <laughs> nice from, from Top Gun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know. Oh when in doubt little kenny loggins doesn't hurt you know i mean lucas our sax player was like we have to do danger zone i was like we do he was like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's always Uh, interesting when someone in the band is that keen on something and you're like how do i negotiate this yeah but here's the thing if they're that excited about it i'm not gonna say no like everybody will get on board like hell yeah let's sing Kenny Loggins, I'm down. Um, (laughs) Those lyrics are filthy, by the way. Don't ever read them. (laughs) I was like blushing the entire time. I'm totally gonna go read them now. It is a the danger zone is is has nothing to do with planes. Let me just tell you that. Oh my god. There's so many songs like that 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 people like. Oh yeah, and this song and that song. I'm like, you really haven't thought about those lyrics when (laughs) while you're singing them, have you? I literally like could not stop laughing in rehearsal. I was like, I can't say this on the mic. That is hilarious. (laughs) It's ridiculous. You'll you'll see. Give yourself a favor and take a look. That's awesome. That's, that's going to be great. Just watching Kim blush. She's like, oh, my that. heavens. Yeah, I can't wait to read I'm that. I'm like, Kenny, oh, my. <laughs> you naughty, naughty, naughty songwriter, <laughs> you. Naughty login. <laughs> my goodness. King of the 80s soundtracks, though. I mean, my for goodness. Real. Yeah. It was like, remember when like music was made specifically for film? Like, that's wild. Yeah. I think that's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Although the although the funny thing is uh, in going with Top Gun Maverick, of course, because it's funny that like we actually just saw that movie yesterday. Oh, me too. Yeah. I saw it just recently, also. Yeah. But the Lady Gaga song was written specifically for the flick. I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's I haven't. It's it's not stuck in my head. That's for sure. But no, loved that. No. Loved that movie. I had a blast. Truly. Yeah. yeah. It is funny, though, because there there used to be like the Kenny Loggins of the world who's like it, it seemed like he only existed on soundtracks. Like, what's the new Kenny Loggins album? Well, it's the Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, OK. Like, they, <laughs> I, I don't even know if he released any other albums except for soundtracks. I, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, who knows? I, I mean, yeah. there's there there definitely are like some hidden gems in my dad's dusty record collection. I'm sure are his records. Oh. <laughs> I'm positive. I've come to appreciate some of those '80s acts now, like yeah. going going back and listening to like Hall and Oates and stuff, where it's like, oh yeah, oh, Seals wow. and Cross, like oh, Christopher Cross. I'm I'm like yeah. sailing is such a panic attack deterrent. Just throw that on, <laughs> feel great. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask. I'm going to put you on the spot. Ah, uh, yes. Um, here comes the gotcha question. Who are the Who are your top three favorite singers? that come to mind or even just some like if you had if you kind of had to pick three you know right off the top of your head or just three of the hundreds yeah okay i i'm trying to think of like who really like did it for me like Mm. as you know like as i was like in a very 
prophetic stage. Mm. Um, uh, definitely Jeff Buckley, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was also very inspired by um, Joan Osborne growing up, big time. Oh. I loved what she could do with her voice. Like it could be super raspy and also absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, I loved that dynamic. She's kind of a sleeper. She, she's amazing. Like if you like ever see any live stuff with her. Yeah. Cause I, I remember what was a, her big hit was the, um, it was like the worst song on the record was her like number one hit, but yeah, that but album remember... relish the, what if God was one of us track, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but that album, like that whole record as, as like a piece of work, I've, Oh, I've loved that record for so long. It's so good. Do yourself a favor mm. and go back and revisit that. Cause I remember when that came out and that was the, of course the single and I'm like, yeah, that's cool and all but but then there was, I think the follow-up single maybe even came out before that, but uh right hand man. Oh God. Well, I loved that song. I, I heard that song. I'm like, Oh, now yeah. this I can kind of get behind. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, fantastic I like song. This. Mm. I love that yeah. song. So I just <sighs> bought you a couple extra seconds there. So I know. Now you got two. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I definitely grew up just completely exposed to like Aretha Franklin mm. and all, you know, and uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Like mm. my parents were big fans of the, of like, you know, the music from the big chill and all of that. So like mm-hmm. I was definitely exposed to like R and B and soul mm. at a young age and like always just like knowing that that was the pinnacle. Mm. You, do you know what I mean? Being mm-hmm. like that, being like nothing can really touch that. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, vocally. Yeah. <laughs> cause I mean like Jeff Buckley's inspiring to me cause I love his songwriting and he had a crazy eight octave range and he was like a, an alien and you know, like Joan, like Joan, Joan Osborne, you know, was something of from my child, like from my like teen years that like mm. I just couldn't get enough of. But like any woman of color from the like era of soul and R and B and Motown, like obviously Aretha's the queen for sure. Mm. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's so oh Shaka Khan, like mm. are like are you kidding me? Like mm-hmm. yeah, just the notes that she hits with such ease is like absolute insanity to me. Like yeah. it just yeah. yeah so is that enough i'm like oh, no no that's, that's good that's that's fantastic and I, I totally get what you're saying like there's some people who you just hear and you're like oh, just makes you're just like it, nothing will ever touch that that is yeah that's like in a glass case in a museum yes. and we can all look yeah. at it and appreciate it but we will never get there <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah it's like you you hear someone you hear someone start to sing like a whitney houston song or someone wants to do like a a, a song that freddie mercury sang and it's like oh boy yeah <laughs> everyone everyone buckle up for some disappointment right now well, well it also yeah it's like stressful to watch like you're like, right. <laughs> you're like oh there's so many things that could go wrong and probably yeah, and it's like even if yes. you nail it it's still not gonna be what it was yeah that's another thing about money nice we gotta be very selective with like what we mm. pick so that like we could pull it off in a way or make it our own in a way that yes. like isn't treading on that history yeah. and mm. also you know I can actually do. <laughs> that is always rough when you have to, like, someone has a great idea and you're like, listen. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love that song too, just as much as you, but it ain't going to happen. Like, <laughs> right. I'm sorry, but I, uh, you know, like a person's got to know their limits. And right. That's, oh, yeah, that's about a mile past mine. I'm sorry. De- definitely. 
So uh, one of the questions that we kind of like to finish up with here, uh, because, and we love to hear the answers to this because there's a thousand and one of them and we haven't gotten all of them. So we're, yeah. we're, we're on a quest, if you will. All right. Uh, so how do you define success, either personally, professionally, artistically, however you want to take that question? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that I would define success as when you are making money, doing something that doesn't feel like work mm. because you love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I know that's like, I know that's like a very typical answer, I'm sure. But like, you know, I, I recently just talked to somebody from uh, Emerson Weekly who asked me the very similar question. And I was like, you know, I, I play on the pier a lot. You know, we're hustling during the summer and it's like, you know, some days I can hear, you know, lobster claws cracking more than applause, <laughs> but like, but I don't care yeah. Like I really enjoy working with the people I work with, mm. sharing space with them, sharing creativity with them. Even if it's covers, there's room for that. Like, I don't know. Every time you play, it's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's exciting to me. I don't think it'll ever not be exciting mm. to me. I just, I, I, I just absolutely love bringing people together musically. I think mm. it's a uh, really, um, and that's successful to me mm. and not the dollar amount obviously but the fact that i can make most of my living doing that that's a yeah. dream come true I, that for, sure. for me that's successful i've done it you know yeah, yeah. so we also are professed uh inspiration junkies so we always like to ask because <laughs> we're always always inspired by just the different answers but who or what inspires you personally or professionally professionally any woman that owns a business mm. god bless you like <laughs> I just know what it's like to work in mm -hmm. many male dominated fields and I won't even go, I won't go into it. We all know, but mm -hmm. like it, if you are running the show and you are succeeding and people mm -hmm. respect you, you inspire me. Mm. <laughs> so that's, and I know many of them. I know um, so many boss B words as we'll say uh, that are just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely crushing it, especially in this city where there's a lot of, mm -hmm. Like I said before, it's like a it's like a tourist destination, and there's a lot of local businesses that are run mm -hmm. by women, and it's mm -hmm. exciting. Personally, I'm a huge nature junkie. I love mm -hmm. being outside. I love hiking. I'd like love being immersed in the woods. A lot mm -hmm. of Atlas is about that, and mm -hmm. about locations to me that are like sacred. Mary Oliver is like my favorite poet. She's always writing about nature, and she was a, like a huge influence on this work. So. Mm. That's a huge inspiration to me is awesome. the earth and the world around us for sure. Mm. Hmm. Nice. Love that. Yeah. Well, Gina, thank you so much for taking time out of your day for talking yeah, with us. Of course. This has been, thank you. This has been a lot of fun and I think Same. our listeners have learned a lot and yes. uh, we want to encourage them all to go and to download your album will have the link to uh, the Bandcamp page where they can get it, mm -hmm. and uh, and also you know that it's available for streaming here, there, and everywhere. But of course, Bandcamp is always great because that that does help support the artist mm -hmm. directly. So definitely give that a, a look. And also, I'll have links to your social media pages and, like I said, the Bandcamp page in our show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely, every listener, uh, go and you know what, go and download it like three times. What, I mean, what's the harm, really? What <laughs> yes. what's it to you? Um, yes, absolutely. It, it's 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 worth it. So uh, thank. 
thank you again, Gina. Yes, and uh, and we wish you lots of success coming up this summer with all your shows. And uh, and also be sure to, to head out to Portland House of Music yes. and, and catch her and the Red Eye oh, Flight crew on guys. a Monday night. Yes. Um, and we wherever you see her advertised to, to sing, you are not going to be disappointed. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. Yeah. You guys fans. are the best. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor and encourage you to check them out through the link in the show notes. And thank you again for listening.